Welcome to Females and Fine Fettle, from Wiped Out to Wealth. This is where conscientious women entrepreneurs and women living like a boss come to learn about balancing their personal and professional wellness with ease. If you have the enthusiasm, motivation, and grit to make it happen, then listen up every Monday. To be sure you don't miss an episode, sign up for weekly updates at femalesandfinefettle.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please don't apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now, here are your hosts, Denise Pasquinelli and Dr. Michelle, your natural women's health advocates who blend the wisdom of ancient healing traditions and the science of functional medicine. Hey there, and welcome back. It's Dr. Michelle. I hope you've had a great week and are ready for more. To keep with our theme this month of cleansing and detox, we have Laura Adler on the show today, and she's an environmental toxins expert and educator and a certified holistic health coach. She specializes in helping health practitioners better understand the links between environmental chemicals and their impacts on disease states, anything from weight gain and diabetes to thyroid disease and infertility so they can better support their clients and patients. Her students also include healthy-minded consumers who are proactive about protecting their and their family's health and well-being. She takes a practical, real-world approach to dealing with toxins that's informative, accessible, actionable, and free from overwhelm. I love what she's got going on, and I know you will too. So let's dive in. So hey, Laura, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. I'm so excited to interview you. Hi, thanks for inviting me. I think this is going to be really fun. (laughs) Awesome. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the audience kind of what you're all about, what your background is. So my name is Laura Adler. I am an environmental toxins expert and educator. I teach health professionals um, primarily uh, about environmental chemicals and how they affect our health and contribute to disease. And I also uh, teach and work with uh, what I call my healthy-minded consumers, um, the super healthy nerd folks out there who love diving deeper into learning about how to optimize their health. Um, We'll also help them really understand where chemicals are showing up in our daily lives and how they might be affecting us and what we can do about it. And, um, you know, it's, this is a kind of a strange profession to have. Um, And I definitely didn't, you know, grow up fantasizing about doing it. It just sort of happened uh, to me. You know, I, I was always interested in health and nutrition since I was in my teens, which is a weird thing for a teenager to be interested in. I fully realize that <laughs> most teens aren't like nutrition. Um, but I became a vegetarian and then vegan when I was in like middle school, early high school. And it's just out of necessity to make sure that I was appeasing my father and eating the things that wasn't going to make me die or whatever. I had to really read up on nutrition and it was fascinating. Um, so I really just got hooked at an early age and, um, you know, I had a, a whole other sort of unfun career, uh, out of college. I spent eight years in a corporate stock photography space, which people are always like, Ooh, that's cool. But no, I worked in a cubicle. (laughs) I worked in a quadrangle with fluorescent lights overhead. So not glamorous. And I, um, you know, really wanted to do something that I felt that mattered in the world because I just didn't think that that work did. Mm. 
So, um, yeah, so I, I found health coaching. I started out as a health coach, uh, and it was really through some sort of investigative research, so to speak, into some uh, resistant weight loss issues that some of my clients were having that I discovered this whole world of environmental chemicals, and it really kind of blew my hair back in a really big way because I at that point I'd spent, you know, 10, 15, 18 years reading about health and nutrition, and would not, had not really heard about anything related to toxins, um, but was learning that it's a you know it's one of the biggest missing pieces in the in the entire environmental health conversation. Uh, Joseph Pizzorno, who's a naturopathic physician and founder of Bastyr University, refers to it as the primary driver of disease. So it's a it's a big deal, and I think that more and more people um, are interested in learning about it. So maybe we can dive into some stuff, and people totally. can learn some stuff today. Yeah, Joe Pizzorno, he's, uh, you know, that past year's my alma mater. So oh, yeah, I awesome. actually had some classes that he taught and he is amazing and he's representing the naturopathic community in such a great way. So yes, it's very exciting. Um, awesome. So what was your key driving force to kind of branch off and do all of this stuff on your own, like become a health coach? I know you're talking about the cubicles and the fluorescent lights, and I'm just sitting here like, oh, yeah, like you can only take so much of that, right? Yeah, but was there something and, that kind of triggered you? Um, I mean, not – there wasn't like a single thing. I think it was sort of one of these things where it was a lot of different things. So one, like, yeah, the cubicle world was not cool for me uh, at all. And, like, I I grew up as a teenager in this sort of, like, punk rock, anti-establishment, like, down with a man kind <laughs> of childhood. So, like, that, the fact that I was, like, sitting in a quadrangle with my quad mates – um, in an office with no windows was like soul crushing on the uh, level. I was like, yeah. this is, and I used to refer to, I literally used to refer to what I did as contribute as quote, contribute to the garbage of the world, which was like <laughs> not a way that I wanted to talk about my work. Right. And, you know, I never really considered that nutrition or anything in the health space was something that I would, would or could pursue professionally. And it just sort of happened to me like multiple people telling me about this thing called health coaching um over the years and at first I really dismissed it as like some hippie bs that I was like <laughs> whatever I'm not into that that's what something that's like hippie stuff um and I'm totally a hippie now so I don't know what the deal is but um anyway so you know I think there was that there was this like oh that's really interesting this like nerdy thing that I've been like really into for half my life Maybe I could do something in that. So there was that sort of pull there. But I also grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Mm. So my father worked for himself as an independent uh, consultant for the majority of my life. He worked from home. He traveled the world. Uh, my brother, um, it was actually around the same time as I was getting started in my business. My brother co-founded one of the largest um, tech uh, startups. Whoa. That Everybody knows that I'm not going to name drop because it's fine. whatever. But like, so he's and so he spent like you know many many years as it still is as an entrepreneur, solopreneur, whatever. And um, even my mom had a small you know raw food catering business at some point on her own. So like all That's of us had so been cool. doing something independently on our own. So it was kind of in my blood. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, as with most entrepreneurial endeavors, you know, things don't always go as planned. Is there a way that you kind of stay motivated when things maybe get off a... <laughs> off of the track, I guess. Oh, and they do. And they do. Um, I think for me, honestly, the, the best thing that I've done is surrounded myself with other women entrepreneurs. Mm. Like 98% of my friends have their own businesses yeah. of some sort or are like top in their career. And I, I just feel like you know, it's there, you know, what do they say that that you are the sum of the, you know, five people you spend totally. the most of your time with yeah, or something yeah. like that. And I just feel like, you know, we've all had moments where like things don't go as planned or you do a launch and it bombs mm. or something happens and you need to be able to go to people who understand the yep. struggle and just be able to like, you know, bitch about it totally. basically <laughs> and be like, look, you need to, I need to vent this happened. And I really think that, and like they get it and they understand. Yeah. In ways that like, you know, my family sort of knows what I do, even though I've been doing this for almost seven years. Like they're like, what do you, I sort of know what you do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just think that having like a, a good core group of people that are in the same space as you that, you know, can be that support team. Cause I think inevitably things won't go as planned. Yeah. And inevitably, things will take four to five times longer than you think they will. Oh, always. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's, you're like, I got this. I got this. Five days. And then you're like, yeah. three weeks later, you're like, dang it. Totally. Totally. So you've kind of created almost this little mini mastermind around you of these really yeah. awesome women. I love that. Yes, so absolutely. good. Awesome. So what book or person has inspired you the most? Um, I'm going to choose, and I don't know if she's inspired me the most, but she like has a sampling of all the things that I think are badass. So <laughs> Rachel Carson, Rachel Carson, uh, was a biologist who was hired by the Audubon Society back in the, uh, late fifties, early sixties to research, um, how much pesticides the government was spraying to see what effect it was having on wildlife. And her research that she compiled ended up getting published in this book called Silent Spring, which yes. is considered to be the sort of founding of the environmental movement. It's published mm -hmm. in 1962. And she knew that as a woman, as a woman scientist, at that time, writing this book that basically was like, oh, hey, so DDT is really bad mm -hmm. and it's destroying the environment and birds are going to die. And, and it's very possible that it, this is going to affect people, too. Mm -hmm. um, and she knew that she was going to get raked over the coals and she did. And so meaning like that, the you know, the response to her book was very much like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a little silly woman. Yeah, yeah which really insulting, like deep yeah. insulting. And like, oh, you couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. I'm a scientist, like I do. Yeah. Anyway, and, um, and so she made sure that the facts and the data and the research in her book was watertight, and it was. Mm -hmm. So like, she was like, I'm sorry, you can say what you're gonna say, but my the data the data doesn't lie, basically. Yeah. And, um, you know, she 
wrote this book and was doing all these interviews and was testifying to, you know, uh, uh, to government about pollution and pesticides and DDT. And meanwhile, she had cancer the whole time and was dying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And like, and, and like, she just left this like tremendous legacy, not only of like, hey, let's pay attention to the environment and to chemicals in the environment. But as like this pioneer woman in this field, I just think that like, She's got all this bits and bobs that make somebody really badass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she is amazing. Some of her quotes from Silent Spring are just, oh, God, like, yeah. give me the chills. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, you know, I actually read some of uh, her quotes in my courses to my students because I'm like, you know, this could have been written yesterday. Yeah. It's one of those, like, let's we've come a long way and actually we haven't come very far. <laughs> I know, especially considering it's been, what, another 60 years since that? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So what is the most terrifying, risky, or profound decision you've had to make in regards to your business? Starting the business? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, uh, I yeah, I mean – I think that, I mean, it was really, so I left the corporate photo industry like in a huff because I was like, you know what, I'm done. And I just left. I didn't have any other job. I just quit and turned my back on the industry because I couldn't take one more day. And I, as sort of a stopgap, I got a job as a nanny and was living in New York City at the time. And um, I ended up being a nanny during the duration that I was in health coaching school and when I was trying to get my practice started and when I started seeing clients. But ultimately, I stayed with that family for six and a half years. And what happens in business, and probably just in life, but in business, is like when we have income coming in um, and we have like a bit of a cushion, We there's often like the sense of complacency. Yes around like moving forward and starting your own business Mm -hmm. or doing whatever big project that's scary. You're like, well, I'm good. And that's really what happened to me. Like I, you know, didn't, had never intended to be a nanny for six and a half years. I love the family. They're wonderful. But like, that was not what I wanted to do with my life. And so I just got really complacent and didn't really push very hard. And then, you know, the family had uh, um, some financial issues and, as like a last resort, they were like, hey, we literally can't afford to pay you mm. anymore. And we're going to give you two weeks notice. And I was uh, like, what? I have lived in New York City. Like, I have to pay my oh, rent at the end of the month. So for me, and I'm going to swear because that's, my, that's how I roll. <laughs> it was a shit or get off the pot moment for me. And I'd been kicking around the idea of teaching this short online course about environmental chemicals to all the health coaches that I knew that were like clamoring for this education. Mm. And I was like, you know what, I guess now's the time to do it. And in like two or three weeks, I whipped together this course. I, it was like 97 bucks. I got 80 people to sign up. Oh I my gosh. Like almost $8,000. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so like it was terrifying um to take that leap but it was sort of like I had no choice totally and it's been you know like literally nothing has stopped since then that was like January of 2012 so wow. you were just launched into it and it just, yeah, like it just worked the universe was like it is time for you to get this out there <laughs> yes and that like it's awesome 
So, you know, I don't know if it was a risky decision because I didn't, I had nothing to lose. (laughs) You know know what I'm saying? But it's definitely scary. But, you know, at the end of the day, like every, every time you do something in your business, there's some degree of risk. And I think that anybody who's an entrepreneur is automatically in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you cannot be risk averse. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just not a character uh, quality that people who step into their own line of work um, have. Yep. And so. if they do, they need to <laughs> kind of get, over get it. rid like, of it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get over it, which is yeah. like my favorite um, sort of thing to say to other entrepreneurs. And because I work with all uh, primarily health professionals, so they're all starting their own practices mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um, and all of the struggles and all the challenge and, you know, get over it. And that's just what, that's just what I say. And yeah. I, and I'll also add that, and that having your own business, this was something my business, one of my business coaches has said to me years ago, having your own business is the fastest path to personal development. Oh my gosh. Of anything. So true. <laughs> because it pushes every single button that you have. You uh, have and it brings to, everything to the everything. surface. All of your fears, all of, like everything just you comes have right with up. With being seen, with money. Uh, so like true. deal with it. You just have to deal with it. Get over it. So, so, so <laughs> true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Side, kind of a side question, but, um, I'm curious, you know, what kind of spurred this interest in, um, I guess training professionals over consumers because you right. were a health coach. So you were working at that client level and yeah. then you kind of transferred to the practitioner level. So I'm curious about that. So, um, one, because I just, like, some of it was circumstance, Mm -hmm. and it just sort of happened that way. So I was in, um, you know, business coaching programs for health coaches at the time. Mm -hmm. And I sort of outed myself as like, hey, guys, I don't really want to do the health coaching thing. This is really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about toxins all day. It's Mm -hmm. fascinating. And nobody... The ever everybody that it was, you know, in this program, and I think there were like 80 or 100 people in this program, and they were all like, um, I think I should know about that if I'm going to be working with clients. And so I just I had people knocking on my door before my business started. Wow. So cool. So yeah, and rare and lucky. Yeah. Like I recognize that it does, does not happen that way for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there was that. But then I also like when I thought about it, I felt like, okay, if I'm going to work with, you know, 10 practitioners who are each going to have 10 clients, then this information can get out there a lot faster using that model than if I tried to reach, you know, a a hundred or a thousand or a million people on my own. And so, you know, I've had over 2,000, 2,300 students, most of them practitioners come through, um, you know, some of my courses. And so what that means is like, you know, I actually have an amplified platform to get the information out through the work that professionals are doing. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'll add to that because most of the types of practitioners that I work with are what I call lifestyle practitioners. They're Mm -hmm. not the seven to 20, like seven to nine minute office visits. (laughs) These are the hour long, they're working on lifestyle changes. And the conversation around environmental health really requires that type of uh, relationship to be able to explain, here are the issues, 
now let's work with you on getting the chemicals that in your are in your kitchen out of your house or let's work yes. on your personal care products and the traditional medical model just doesn't have room for those types of conversations whether it's toxins or gluten or sleep hygiene it's just it's it's not built yep. for that <clears throat> and totally. so the lifestyle practitioner is really um, my fave because yeah. it's your Woo! opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, all right. So has your health ever come between you and oh, your yeah. business? Oh, yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my adrenals tanked a couple years ago, like tanked, tanked, <laughs> and I just had to stop working. Um, and uh you know, I think that that's actually really common in a entrepreneurism, but especially with women, yeah. because like we're just badass, and we're like, I'm gonna go get it. <laughs> like I have a button on my, I have this denim jacket that has a black and gold pin on it, and it's it says "Get Shit Done Club." Oh, I need one. <laughs> yeah, I got it on Etsy. Anybody can just like go find it on Etsy, but that's where I got it, and. Like, I just feel like women get shit done. But, you know, I think that because there's so much potential in the work that we're doing or wanting to do and we get excited by it um, or whatever, whatever other circumstances, like we can totally push ourselves past the point yes. of like what's healthy. Yes. And I did that. And I mean, that wasn't the only sort of factor in contributing to the sort of adrenal meltdown. But, you know, I, the, you know, first two years of my business, I was working, you know, 12 hours a day, six days a week. Yep. It's not healthy, yep. but I grew my business really fast. <laughs> so, you know, my health absolutely has come in between myself and my business. And it's just, you know, really makes you pay closer attention to how you're feeling, are you working too much, are you staring at a screen for too long, what do you need to do to show up and be your best rather than like dragging your feet through the work that you're doing. Totally. Because totally. of exhaustion or whatever. Um, so I think self-care is a big deal in entrepreneur world for sure. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And this actually, this next question really ties into that. So I'm curious, you know, what what did you implement um, as far as self-care when your adrenals tanked? You know, are there oh. things that you've <laughs> I changed? I turned into a retired person. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I turned into a retired person. So I, my doctor, my naturopath was literally like, go get a coloring book. <laughs> literally, go get some paint, do your thing, stay on the couch go for a walk, don't do work. Like she literally <laughs> limited me to two hours of work a day. I was like, but I have, she's like, no, nope, <laughs> no. Nope. And at the time I had had like a bit of a knee injury and I was in physical therapy and my physical therapy at that point was um, aqua jogging. Whoa. So I had to go in the pool with like the, the ba in inflation belt and walk back and forth that's it. That was my exercise. And so I literally was like a retired person. Because the only <laughs> other people at the pool at one in the afternoon were retired people. Were like retired elderly <laughs> folks. So I was like, this is it. This is, I'm retiring early. I'm in my geriatric years, um, even though I'm like 37. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I really like put on the brakes on my business hard. 
And um, I just, I went for walks. I went outside. I got into some arts and crafts. I just did that kind of stuff. And I went, like, sleep hygiene is, like, a my number one. No You're non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Yep. No electronics after 9 p.m. TV gets mm-hmm. shut off. Cell phone gets put away. Wi-Fi gets shut down. Yes. Um, no electronics in my bedroom other than, like, my lamps. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a red light in my bedroom. Oh, nice bomb and here's the this is actually something i just started doing i started reading by candlelight oh i love it we wonderful (laughs) you're like a woman after my heart we actually have candlelight time at night so like after the nine o'clock like everything gets shut down candles get lit and that's it (laughs) like Like, it's wonderful and like i have this beautiful candelabra thing that is just it's like deco vintage thing that i've had for probably eight or nine years, it's never had a candle in it. Um, and I and four candles, and it's just as bright as like a light bulb. Totally. It's, it's wonderful. And it's so, soothing, and it's just oh, like, yes, this yeah, feels so good. Yeah. Real good. It's real good. I wish That's I had a so fireplace because cool. I, I do that too. But so cool. It's awesome. All right. So, what entrepreneurial tricks or hacks have you discovered to help keep you focused and productive during your busy schedule? <laughs> I'm going to give you, I'm going to give a weird one because um, I'm a kinetic thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think well when I'm sitting at my desk. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that help, and this is not necessarily a keeping me focused or keeping me productive, but it helps to do both of those is I have to walk and talk. So the best conversations I have with my clients, for example, like if I'm coaching them on something, um, is when I'm pacing my house. Mm. I'm talking and pacing, and and that's when my brain actually works the most. So one of the things that I do when I'm stuck is I walk around and I talk to myself. Like Mm -hmm. it's a kinetic thing, and I have to speak it out loud. Because, you know, in your brain – when you're thinking, you can trip up on your own words because you can think faster than you can uh-huh. speak. Totally. And if you're speaking out loud, you just have to slow it down and channel, so to speak. And so I found that that really helps, like especially when I'm really busy. Because when you're really busy, there's like a million things in your brain going on. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to stay focused because of that. So if I'm speaking out loud then I can't be thinking of 10 other things at once. (laughs) It just does not work if you work in an office with other people. It's like its own form of mindfulness in a way because you're just funneling down into being mindful of what you're trying to focus, like your thoughts and your words on. It's awesome. Yes. Um, And I think also that um, this isn't a trick or a hack, but like you have to take time away from your work in order to – be productive in your work. And it's counterintuitive. And I continue to be faced with that lesson all the time. So I'm like, I can just let me just give me give me like 20 more minutes. (laughs) Let me get this thing in. It's like, girl, you've been sitting in front of the computer for four hours. Get up. Seriously. That white space is really where that creativity happens too. It's just like allowing your brain to rest and relax. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, this has nothing to do necessarily with entrepreneurism, but like keep your space clean. Yep. Keep your space clean. 
um, because it's like cluttered space, cluttered mind totally syndrome. <laughs> so like those things all really help me stay off of Facebook. Don't open Instagram unless you're like, I got a task and then I'm going to write it down because Lord knows I've w- gone into Instagram or Facebook to just be like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to send this th- link to somebody. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, I close out of it. And I'm like, wait, why did I what? go in there? Totally. I never <laughs> did the, the thing that I even went there for. <laughs> yeah. So write it down. What, do you, what am I going here for? I'm going to go send an email, tag that person, comment on this page, and then leave. Yes. Just in get and out. out. Get out. Yeah, totally. Get out. Run away. <laughs> I'm loving the new Instagram scheduling feature for that reason. Like now I don't, I don't have- even have to go in. <laughs> I don't have it yet. <laughs> it's it's a necessity. Got to yeah, do it. But it's, I don't have it yet. What's that? I don't have the Instagram scheduling thing yet. I do it through Tailwind. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I do it. Th- I do it through Later app. But Instagram is going to be unveiling a scheduling feature on their business accounts. Yes. Yeah. It's, I well, it's, it's up and running. We can talk more about it if you want. <laughs> side, side, side conversation later. Yeah, side conversation, sorry. All right, so awesome. Thank you. So, okay, top three blogs or podcasts that you can't imagine your day without and why? Um, all of the podcasts that I listen to, for the most part, have absolutely nothing to do with business or anything. And to me, it's like either mental floss or just like, I just need to change my way my brain is working. Can't always be thinking about work. And like, I'm not one of those people that listens to like business podcasts all the time, occasionally, (laughs) but my favorite podcasts are like all of the true crime podcasts. Um, um, I really love Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love Reply All, which is a gimlet. Gimlet Media produces some really bomb podcasts. Hmm. Um, Reply All is excellent. Stuff You Should Know is excellent. Yeah. Um, I went to go see them uh, in Portland, actually, a couple weeks ago, and it was glorious. Mm. So um, yeah, but all of the all of the like true crime pod- podcasts are my jam. And there's probably like seven or eight that I listen to. Oh, my gosh. OK, cool. I'll link to all of those in the show notes for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So if you had a little magic in your pocket, what is the one thing you would change in the world? Can it be one thing that's like actually giant? Yes. Okay. So this is an easy one for me to answer. If I could change one thing in the world, I would take out traditional chemistry um, and replace it with green chemistry. Ooh. So green, yeah. So green chemistry is a really tiny but hopefully growing subset of sort of chemical, not chemical engineering, so so to speak, but like the the biochemists that produce all of these molecules that are used in the products that we buy and use every day. That we're all like, oh wait, now twenty years after we've been using it, we're like, wow, it's really toxic. Um. Uh. And replacing that with green chemistry, which seeks to ensure that molecules, chemical synthetic molecules that are created are not harmful to human health or the environment. And that generally speaking, that there's some sort of green green component in it, meaning that it's not, you know, raping the land of natural resources mm. to produce, um, et cetera. And it's, it's a wonderful it would change so many things in the world 
And there's a wonderful book called Chasing Molecules written by the late Elizabeth Grossman. Um, It's either Grossman or Grossman, either way, um, about the green chemistry movement. And she interviews uh, this uh, uh, sort of one of the pioneers in the green chemistry movement called John Warner. And John Warner shares... He's he's developed, I think, something something like you know a couple hundred uh, molecules. Like he's prolific chemist in producing molecules, and he had so many of them they were referred to as the Warner complexes because like he just had this massive suite of complexes that he was producing, and he had a young son die of uh, I believe it was cancer when he was like two or three years old, and he was like, wait a second, could it be this? world that I live in where all I'm doing is making chemicals all day. And that really sort of turned him into really looking at how can we do this differently. And he shares in this book with uh, Chasing Molecules about how he's invented, I think it's something like over 1200 molecules. And he's never, ever taken a class to learn how molecules are toxic. Like it's just not something that biochemists, they don't, know anything about toxicology these are these are disciplines that don't have any overlap and there's no requirement for people who are synthesizing molecules to understand their actual fate in the environment and so he's like he's got this long slide that he shows during presentations and talks where he's like i've synthesized over 1200 molecules i have no idea what makes a molecule toxic Wow. And he, yeah, and that blew me away. And he's like, you know, where monkeys take typing Shakespeare. Like, yeah. we don't know what we're doing, is yeah. his quote. That's like compartmentalism at its best, right? Yeah, or worst. Or worst. Right, or worst. Yeah, right. So, so if I could change one thing, I'd be like, boom, take out regular chemistry, drop in green chemistry, because then we wouldn't have synthetic estrogens. You know, wow. we'd be checking, yeah. like, it's, we wouldn't have DDT, we wouldn't have Agent Orange, we wouldn't have you know, polycyclic air, well, those are natural, but we we wouldn't have Gen X chemicals polluting our waterways, which are perfluorinated chemicals used in nonstick cookware and all this other nonstick applications. Any PFCs, basically, any persistent organic compounds, like, yes, yeah, yeah, Yeah. that'd be amazing. Wow. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) But I think it would have big implications. So wow. I'm gonna have to look into green chemistry. I've never even heard of it. Oh, go check out go check out chasing molecules. Awesome. I will definitely put that in the show notes too. I think I took a picture of it. It's on my Instagram. Nice. Speaking of Instagram, I have been seeing you talk about obesogenic chemicals. Can you share a bit about that? Yes. Um, I love this topic. So (laughs) we all know, and I'm sure as a naturopath, you've probably seen the sort of the, the, the end product of this Mm -hmm. is there's a lot of pharmaceutical medications on the market that have a known side effect of weight gain, whether it's an antidepressant or something like Nexium or Prevacid, like we all, even birth control, um, we've seen that as an issue. And it's like a fully recognized and accepted reality. Some medications can cause weight gain, right? Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating is that even though we accept that as fact, there's still this sort of disbelief in the world that chemicals in our environment can actually do the same thing. And I've been teaching uh, lately, I think like you said on Instagram, you saw some posts that I was doing. 
about this connection between environmental chemicals and metabolic disease. And there's actually a fair amount of research that shows that there are certain chemicals, they're referred to as obesogens, which is a pretty obvious name there, <laughs> um, that can alter metabolism in ways that lead to weight gain. They can increase the physical size of fat cells in our body. They can increase the number of fat cells in the body, um, and, which leads to weight gain. They can interfere with um, the hormones that regulate hunger and satiety. They can interfere with our uh, uh, insulin sensitivity. And so these are these chemicals, these obesogenic chemicals, have the ability to trigger weight gain in people. And it's considered at this point to be a under-recognized third factor in disease, uh, in the obesity um, epidemic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just feel that especially for health professionals who are having conversations with their clients who might be struggling with weight issues and like collectively we're all struggling with weight issues like everyone <laughs> right <laughs> um the you know the the levels of overweight i mean more than 70% of the world of the population in the united states is considered either overweight or obese right one in like five one in five school aged children Right. Are obese. Right. Like, this is not, and so, you know, the traditional or conventional ap approach, I should say, has always been looking at diet and exercise. Like, gotta calories in, calories out. Like, that's <laughs> the. Gosh. And <laughs> you know that it's not that simple. It's yeah. just not that simple. And, you know, I really believe that this low level chronic exposure that people are getting, and, you know, when I say, you know, that we're all getting. It's like the stuff in our shampoo, the stuff in our carpeting, our plastic cook uh, uh, food containers, yes. our drinking plastic water bottles, our mm -hmm. laundry detergents. Off-gassing and new cars. Ah! Yes. Like, so yeah. we're surrounded yeah. by this stuff and that's hence my green chemistry wish, right? Like, yes. because there's only so many things that we can avoid in our daily life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it doesn't make sense for us to be exposed to chemicals every single day that can, um, that are synthetic estrogens that can go into your body and, and interfere with, uh, uh hormone signaling in the body yep. that can alter metabolism that can cause weight gain that can, and it's weight gain is only one of the sort of quote yep. symptoms, yep. um, or potential effects. Um, but I just think that as we're working as we are working with people and as people are working towards optimizing their health and whether it's to lose weight or to reduce autoimmune condition flares or whatever it is, um, that we have to look beyond like good nutrition and going to sleep at an appropriate time and not smoking and getting exercise. Like it's not, it's both simple and not simple. Right. It's simple in that, like, yeah, we just have to do these things. The, the not simple part is in doing them. It's right. Um, <laughs> the actual <laughs> execution. That's why I love the toxins conversation, because, like, there's very rarely, like, an emotional attachment to the plastic Tupperware that's cluttering up your kitchen. Totally. Unlike the emotional attachment that we have with foods that we've been eating for yes. our entire lifetimes. So yes. I actually find, and my, my practitioner clients find, that sometimes having the toxins conversation is easier because they don't have that emotional attachment. There is often this sort of disbelief that like, well, wait a second, why would my shampoo have anything to do with the fact that I'm gaining weight? 
And right. so it's it's really just like the the job of the practitioner to be able to create this bridge so that the the person that they're talking to can understand that there is a connection. Um, but obesogens are like they're a real thing. Chemicals can, in fact, um, uh, trigger weight gain in people. We know this in the pharmaceutical space. It's referred to as chemically induced weight gain or pharmaceutically induced weight gain. Um, and it's like a known established side effect. And the, the way in which the, those synthetic chemicals in those pharmaceuticals trigger weight gain is the exact same mechanism in the body that some of these chemicals like bisphenol A, BPA, phthalates, which are in fragrances, mm-hmm. atrazine, which is an herbicide that's found in like mm-hmm. 90% of tap water tested by the USDA, nicotine, high fructose corn syrup. Like these are all chemicals that have uh, been shown to um, have these obesogenic properties. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. One thing about toxins that I know when I'm talking to my clients too, it's like it seems really, really overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, like I am being bombarded. And yes, we are being bombarded. Yes. But it's really like taking it one step at a time. Oh, yeah. A lot of times, like, you know, I'm like, okay, let's just focus on the kitchen. (laughs) Like, let's just focus on the kitchen for, like, a few weeks. Let's, you know, turn over those products and, you know, whether it's cleaning products or, like, the dishware, like you're saying, there's just taking it, like, one step at a time and at the same time really optimizing our bodies to be able to um, process them more efficiently. Our detox pathways, you know, phase two liver support, I'm sure you know, and making sure that we're pooping regularly, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Hydrating is just so important, but um, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely like a process. Yeah, um, you know, I I often share with my audience that like you know I've been I've been officially teaching about this you know going on you know this is the start of year seven for me, but you know had been researching it for a couple of years prior to that. So like you know let's say um, eight or nine years that I've been doing this on this journey myself, and I only just replaced my bed. in November. (laughs) Right. Yep. (laughs) Because that's, you know, and my couch prior to that was like, I finally replaced the couch that I'd had since I was, you know, 23 years old or whatever, like this gross, horrible couch. Finally, like it's not, (laughs) you don't do it overnight. Like you just, it takes time and you, and you know, we have to remember that for the most part, unless we're talking about occupational exposures, like it's not one exposure on a single day that's going to be the thing yes. that causes the condition or the the or whatever it is right. it's this cumulative effect yes, and we're exactly. being just like you said we are being bombarded from lots of different places and so the idea is to just as i call it plug the hole like yeah. if you're in a boat and your boat has a hole in it and it's starting to fill with water like the first thing you do is plug the hole let's stop the water from coming into the boat so we don't drown Exactly. Exactly. Love it. Awesome. So I know that you had mentioned one thing about water filtration, but I was going to ask you what your current project or passion was right now. That's my current (laughs) project. So the literal number one question I get in my business is what kind of water filter should I get? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really hard question to answer. And uh, because everyone's water is different and there's no such thing as a perfect filter for everyone. Like I can't recommend a product. I can't like, it's just not as simple as that. It's the same thing with like diet or exercise. Like what works for one person may not work for somebody else. 
And it all depends on like the terrain, like what's happening inside that person's body and let's fit the nutritional needs to what's happening in that person's body. Like from Mm -hmm. a nutrition standpoint, we're on the same page right there. Um, But water is actually the same because water is different everywhere um, for lots of different reasons, industry, you know, agriculture, geography, the uh, uh, sort of financial health or how how wealthy you, your community is and what's the technological advance of your water, water um, uh, municipality. There's lots of variables that determine how good or not good your water is. And there's no one filter that addresses every contaminant. So I'm actually working on this um, sort of mini course that I call Pure on helping people to understand why we have contaminants, what are the contaminants that we have, what is filtration and how does it work, and how do we start moving towards finding the best and most appropriate filter for your home right now? Mm. Because I can't answer the question, what kind of filter do I get? I don't know. You mm-hmm. And I answer it by saying, the, what, what's the best filter? The best filter is the one that works for you. Right. Just like, you know, what's the best diet? Well, it's the one that works for you. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be so, so, so helpful. I get a yeah. lot of people asking me that too. And, you know, I'll give them a few recommendations. But yeah, I, and, I need to learn more about that yeah, as well. Yeah, and I really think that like, you know, the way that I'm I'm trying to approach this is from the perspective of I want to teach you how to fish. I don't want to buy you a fish. Yes, yes. So awesome. like, I mean, it really empowering people yes. to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I'm like, there's, I'm not selling a filter. I'm not recommending a filter. Yes. I'm not reviewing a filter. I'm giving you the tools so that you can do this for yourself. And if you're a practitioner so that you can do it for other people. Mm-hmm. So that's the hope. So I'm working on that now. And that should knock on wood. Um, if all other things go as planned, which we know. If all goes well, that will um, be uh, out and available at the end of February. Exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm super so. stoked on that. Cool. So is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share with our audience? Um, yeah, I'll just say like I we do the best we can. That's what I'll say in business, in addressing toxins, in everything. Like you just do the best you can. Don't beat yourself up. Um, and things don't always go the way they want in all areas. Um, and, uh, feedback, not failure, which I sort of beat to death in this Mm. space, but I really, really think that, um, especially as entrepreneurs, like if you're doing anything to move forward, like Bravo, it's not a failure if it doesn't work. Yes. I love that feedback, not failure. Oh, also watch Shark Tank and the the project, uh, the profit, because those are great shows to give you just like overall business, um, acumen. Awesome. Shark Tank and the profit. Yeah. The profit, profit over Shark Tank. Cause Shark Tank is a little bit like a bit hokey. Shark Tank is um, (laughs) Marcus Limonis. Maybe he's my hero. I should have answered (laughs) that one. Um, and if y'all know who Marcus Limonis is, then yay. Awesome. So I am sure that people are going to want to find you. So how can our audience get in touch? Um, They can find me on my website, which is just my name, lauraadler.com. I'm on Instagram at environmental toxins nerd. Love it. Um, I am on Twitter at Laura Adler. I'm not a huge tweeter. I don't know if that's how you say it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um. 
Uh, and on Facebook, um, you can find me there. Um, and come say hi. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was so much fun, Laura. I I mean, I'm learning stuff. I know that our audience is going to be learning stuff. And I can't wait to see what else you have in store for us in the future. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so that's a wrap for today. I hope you loved chatting with Laura as much as I did. Be sure to head over to femalesinfinefettle.com to grab your freebie this week. Laura's put together this beautiful, badass 20-page guide called Chemicals, Not Calories, How Household Toxins Are Keeping Us Fat. It is a fantastic resource, so I will link to that in the show notes. And... This week is a twofer, so I've got another freebie for you that I'm super excited about. It's a quiz to help you figure out how significantly toxins are affecting your health. All right, I cannot wait to meet you back here next week. I know we've been talking a lot about toxicity and detox these past few weeks, but in episode 33, Denise and I will be chatting about detoxing on a different level. We'll be bringing up the importance of detoxing our surroundings. Think about your living space, clutter, emotions, all that good stuff. So be sure to tune in. Have a great rest of your week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Females and Fine Fettle from Wiped Out to Wealthy, a podcast to fit your lifestyle. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at femalesandfinefettle.com. If you have questions or topic ideas for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please be sure to tune in next week.